Doesn't it feel good in the house of the Lord today? Amen. Yes, it does. It is such a great honor to have Brother Lonnie, Sister Jill Vestal, Levi, and Reagan Vestal with us. This is their very last Sunday service before they head out to the country of Malaysia. They are newly appointed missionaries with the United Pentecostal Church to the nation of Malaysia, and uh, they are just some of our very best friends. They have been with us here at Tree of Life before. They were with us back in the summertime, and uh, they are, are coming. They're back in Cincinnati tying up some loose ends before they go over. Uh, they'll travel to North Carolina to visit some family, then to California, and then on to the country of Malaysia. And so we're so, so thrilled. Listen. They don't make them any better than Brother and Sister Vestal. Yeah, it's true. And we're so honored that they're here. Of course, they pastored for 11 years, I believe it was, in Mason, uh, right here in Cincinnati. And uh, God, of course, uh, transitioned them over to Grace Point Church for a time uh, where we were honored to work alongside of them. And then, of course, now onto the mission field. They have formally and officially been appointed uh, as new missionaries. And I know that they're excited to get over into their mission field. Amen. But we're going to be a blessing to them today. Amen. How many is ready to get behind the word of the Lord? Amen. Amen. Would you stand with me right now, if you could, all across this place? I do want to tell you that Brother Vestal, in addition to being a newly appointed missionary and an international conference speaker, uh, he is also a, uh, a best-selling author as well. And he has some books available back in the a table in the lobby. And uh, it is an incredible book called The Way Back. I'll let him tell you about it, but it will bless you immensely. Amen. And at the conclusion of our service today, before we leave, we are going to pray over this precious family. We're going to anoint them, lay hands upon them. Uh, our very own missionaries extraordinaire, brother and sister Enos, are going to anoint them with oil. And we're just going to pray the prayer of faith and the prayer of God's hand upon their lives as they go and do the work of the Lord in the country of Malaysia. Would you put your hands together one more time and welcome missionary Lonnie Vestal today in Jesus' name. Well, praise the Lord, everybody. It's wonderful to be in the house of the Lord today, isn't it? And haven't we had a time? Amen. Amen. David said, I was glad when they said unto me, let's go to the house of the Lord. We don't know who they is, but aren't you glad you had a they that said, come on, let's go to the house of the Lord. Amen. You're not supposed to tell a king what to do, but whoever they was said, come on, let's go to the house of the Lord. Amen. And, and David didn't mind. As a matter of fact, David liked it. He said, I was glad. Because I think what happens when we come to the house of the Lord is we can forget about things just for a while. Amen. David was a king, and that's a heavy weight. You may think, well, I'd like to be a king. I don't think you would. I think you'd get old very fast. But that responsibility, that weight was upon him. But when he went to the house of the Lord, he wasn't a king. He was another worshiper. 
Praise God. Praise God. And when you come to the house of the Lord, you can set aside whatever it is. Most of you didn't have to set aside a, a crown, a royal robe, or anything like that. But you've got responsibilities. You've got things that are weighing you down. But just for a little while, we have the presence of the Lord here with us. Amen. Amen. And there's strength in the house of the Lord. I was glad when they said unto me, let's go to the house of the Lord. Amen. Amen. Praise God. You may be seated. And it is a joy to be with you today. This is a highlight, and I could not have planned a better ending to our deputation than to be with you all with the whole Tree of Life family. Amen. God bless you. And uh, I'm just so honored. Uh, for the last year or so, uh, we have been traveling in the United States, and uh, we have been raising our budget for our, our missions work in Malaysia, and it has been a long journey, uh, but it has come to an end. The first phase of missions is deputation. And uh, when, when, when you accept the call to the mission field, uh, you really, I don't know that any missionary thinks through every step of the process. But when you say, I will go, there's something about it. Once you, once you know the Lord's in it and once you say, I'll go, boy, you're ready to go. And so there is, a, there is a waiting process, and that waiting is, part of the waiting is deputation. And so uh, we've enjoyed the fellowship as we've traveled in the United States, uh, but, but we're so excited now to be at this point where we're just a week or two away from leaving, and we're believing God for great revival in the nation of Malaysia. Can you say praise the Lord? Amen. We go with that faith that God is going to be with us. Jesus said he's going to have his church and that it's going to stretch around the globe. And he said in Matthew 24, the gospel will be preached as a witness to all nations. And then the end will come. Amen. So we're, we're believing that we're going to have revival. Uh, they, they do need a missionary in the nation right now. They do not have one. Uh, and, and so uh, we're going to focus on uh, starting a Bible school to train up new men and women who will take the gospel all around that nation. There's over 26,000 villages all over Malaysia. Amen. We've had quite a bit of experience working in villages in the nation of Vanuatu where we did some previous work. But there's also big cities. There's cities the size of, of New York City. Uh, they look like Hong Kong, Tokyo, very modern Asian cities. And we want to reach every city. We want to reach every village. We want to reach every person in the name of Jesus. And I believe the Lord's going to help us. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Before you leave, if you would, stop at the table uh, out in the foyer. Uh, this is my first book entitled The Way Back. And I just want to make, mention it very briefly. The Lord laid this on my heart a couple of years ago, and I began writing this as a way to help backsliders come back to the faith. And, and when I began writing it, uh, I had backslidden family members, as I'm sure most of you do. And I asked my mother, who was a backslider. She had been backslidden for 18 years. I asked her for help. Now, she's a talented writer. So any talent I have, I'll probably get from her. So she was an English major in college. And so I said, Mom, why don't you help me edit this book? 
<laughs> She's not going to tell her own son, no. So, of course, she agreed to help me edit the book. And uh, we went back and forth over about a year or so's time. And when, 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 she, when we finished, uh, she went back to church there in North Carolina. God restored her, her first Sunday back. Amen. God refilled her with the Holy Ghost, gave her a wonderful test. She's a soul winner now. She's baptized her neighbors in Jesus' name. So, hey, don't ever stop praying for someone that's lost. Amen. God is faithful. God is faithful. Amen. Amen. So, praise the Lord. Why don't we go to the Word? I'm reading from Matthew chapter 5. I do want to say it is an honor to be with such distinguished brethren I give honor to Brother Enos. I did not know that they would be praying over us at the end of the service, but I said to Brother Sizemore before service, he's forgotten more about missions than I will ever know. So I, I honor him today and, and so appreciate the, the time that we've had to fellowship in our previous visit and all of the brethren, uh, Brother Sizemore, Brother Duvall, and of course the Sizemores have been friends for a long time. And, and so uh, I, I love them so very much. And I, and I, I shouldn't have started calling names because uh, everyone here, I, I consider my, my family and friends. And so uh, it's just wonderful to be with you. Praise God. Praise God. Matthew chapter 5. You can keep your thumb in First Peter chapter 2. We'll go there in just a moment. And why don't we all stand for the reading of the word? Matthew 5. 14, and then we'll go to 1 Peter 2. Verse 14 says, Ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Jesus said you're a city sit, set on a hill and you can't be hid. First Peter 2, 3 through 9. Now that you have tasted that the Lord is good, and as you come to him, the living stone, rejected by men but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like Living, have you ever heard of such a thing? How many remember the pet rock back in the 70s that people were buying from? Boy, that was a jip. <laughs> Some of you might still have a pet rock. It doesn't do anything, it doesn't move. But people bought it anyways. And Peter said, You are living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For in scripture it says, see, I lay in a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone, and those who, uh, and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Now, to you who believe, there's two, two responses to this stone. To you who believe, this stone is precious. But to those who do not believe, the stone the builders, has, the builders rejected has become the capstone or the cornerstone. 
And a stone that causes men to stumble and a rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they disobey the message, which is also what they were destined for. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God. That in your King James may say peculiar people. It just means you're a little strange. Hallelujah. You're a little weird. That ye may declare the praises, that you may show forth the praises of he who has called you out of darkness into marvelous light. Amen. Amen. I want to preach to you just for a few moments this morning on this subject. You can't hide the church. Amen. If you want to be proper, you can say you can't hide the church. But where I come from, we say you can't. You can't hide the church. Amen. Amen. Why don't you lift your hands and ask for the Lord's blessing. Lord, I pray for your word that as it goes forth, it would be received with faith in the name of Jesus. I ask, Lord, for your anointing. Direct my thoughts, Lord. I pray that you would strengthen my voice. And I pray that everyone would step forward and receive your word in the name of Jesus. Let faith rise in this building today. Let everyone receive what they have need of in the Holy Ghost. We pray in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Why don't we clap our hands to the Lord? Oh, hallelujah. Oh, praise God. Praise God. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Jesus spoke these words to his early followers before the Holy Ghost was poured out, before very many had been baptized in his name. Before the day of Pentecost, this was the Sermon on the Mount here in Matthew 5. So it's very early in Jesus' ministry. And so when Jesus said, you are the light of the world, I'm convinced they could not have known the full meaning of that statement. He was speaking to the people of Israel, and they had long regarded themselves as God's special nation. Amen. They were God's chosen, special nation. Just ask them. They'll tell you. Amen. And it wasn't the first time that they had been called a light. Isaiah wrote concerning Israel in Isaiah 49 and 6 and said, I will also make you a light for the Gentiles that ye may bring my salvation to the ends of the earth. Amen. He also said in in Isaiah 60 and 3, nations will come to your light and kings to the brightness of your dawn. Amen. So when Jesus told them that they were a light, it agreed with what Isaiah had already prophesied about them. It agreed with how they thought about themselves. Amen. It also agreed with how they regarded the other nations. Because as far as they were concerned, if you weren't Israel, you were nothing. 
All you other nations, you are in darkness and you need a light. You need us. Amen. Now you read the book of Jonah and you'll find they weren't really all that interested at times in being the light, but they still regarded themselves as the light. Amen. What I'm saying here here is when Jesus said, you are the light of the world, they probably took it as a compliment and they missed completely the fact that Jesus was not giving them a compliment. He was giving them a commission. Amen. Brothers and sisters, God did not call us out of darkness into marvelous light just to compliment us. He called us out of darkness into this glorious truth to commission us. Amen. He did not make you a light to the nations, a light to your friends, a light to your neighbors, just so that you could be a light. And he certainly didn't make you that light so that you could hide the lights. He made you a light so that you could show forth the praises of he who has called you out of darkness into marvelous light. Amen. Amen. You may not see yourself as a shining light, but you are. May I please have an amen? I said you are because the Bible says that you are. Amen. I come against this idea. It's a lie from the pit of hell that says I'm just an ordinary saint. I got news for you today. There are no ordinary saints. You are a king. You are a priest. You are a son. You are a daughter. You're called of God. Amen. The church, it's not divided into the somebodies and the nobodies. It's not divided into the insignificant and the superstars. We are a body. We are the body of Christ. We are the church of the living God. Hallelujah. Every member of this body, it has a function. It has a place. It has a purpose. You are a light. Amen. I realize today that there are very many people who wonder, why did God call me? And you're not alone. The apostle Paul wrote in uh, 1 Corinthians, he said, brothers, think of what you were when you were called. Some of you don't want to think about who you were when you were called. But the apostle Paul said, think about it. Think about who you were, where you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. I can say amen to all all three of those. Not very wise, not very influential, not of noble birth. Amen. You can say amen or you can say oh me, but that's true of a good many of us. Praise God. In other words, there are very few of us who had anything to offer God in terms of human credentials. 
Amen. I can speak for myself. I've been living for God for, for a few decades now. Hallelujah. And I'll tell you the truth. Jesus did not call me because I was the cream of the crop. Hallelujah. He did not call me because I was so much better than anyone else in my family. Hallelujah. He, I was not the best in my city. And you can judge for yourself. You can rank yourself on the totem pole of society where you rank. But I'm telling you, I'll just speak for myself. I was not the best thing that God could find in Winston-Salem, North Carolina, about 40 years ago. But he called me anyways. And he called you anyways. And the Apostle Paul said, think about it. Think about the circumstances under which you were called. Why did he call someone like me? Why did he call someone like you? He's God. He can call whoever he wants. Why not call all the rich people? Why not call all the influential? Why not call all the noble people? Why not? But yet he called you and he called me. I'll never understand it. We will never understand the grace of God, the mercy of God, the love of God. But mark it down. You believe what this preacher is saying this morning? He called you for a purpose. He called you because you were small in your own eyes. Hallelujah. He called you not in spite of your weakness, but because of your weakness. Because in your weakness, he wanted to show strength. Hallelujah. He didn't just overlook your weakness. He didn't just overlook your shortcomings. He liked your weakness. He liked your humility. He liked the fact that when you came to the altar, you knew that your righteousness was as filthy rags. You knew that the best you had to offer was filthy in his sight. You knew that and yet you came to the altar and said, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. That's the thing about coming to the altar. We don't come to the altar with a resume. If you got one, don't bring it to the altar. If you got credentials, if you got a PhD, that doesn't impress God. We don't come to him with everything that we have accomplished, everything that we have done. We don't come to him in that way. We come to him just with humility. In 2 Corinthians says, so that we so that we through his poverty might become rich. Hallelujah. 27, 1 Corinthians 1, 27, but God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. He chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are so that no one may boast before him. Amen. We are here this morning because he took my sackcloth and gave me a robe. He took the ashes and he gave me a pearl of great price. 
Hallelujah. He took mourning and he turned it into dancing. He took all of my weakness and he gave me his strength. Amen. None of that is a fair trade. Does that sound like a fair trade? It's not based on fairness. It's based on the mercy of God. It's based on the grace of God that you should show forth. There's one thing that he wants you to do in return. It's something that we could all do. It doesn't matter how educated, influential, or noble you are. You can all show forth the praises. You can all shine a light. You can all testify that he called me out of darkness into marvelous light. Amen. It doesn't matter how long you've been here. Some of you have been here a long time and God's been good and God's blessed, but there was a time when you needed an altar. Amen. There was a time when you had to humble yourself before God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He called us into the light that we could be a light to others. If we ever forget that, we will lose our identity. We will lose our purpose. We will lose our usefulness to this world. Amen. What I'm saying this morning is that God has designed his church so that it should be, must be, a light to the world. He doesn't want his church to simply be noticeable. He wants it to be conspicuous. He wants everybody to know who you are. Amen. That's why he said you are a city set on a hill that cannot be hid. I've got news for you today. You can't hide the church. Amen. You can't hide this church. Amen. Praise God. Before Peter, in the text that we've read, before he told them to come out to show forth the praises, he reminded all of his readers of who they were. He said, you are a chosen generation. You are a royal priesthood. And holy nation, a peculiar people. And then he said, all of that to show forth the praises. Now that first thing he said, you are a royal priesthood. That may not sound very strange to us, but I guarantee you, we take it as a, as a word of encouragement. as just poetic. We don't see anything strange, but those Jewish Readers, when they heard royal priesthood, I guarantee you their ears turned up like this. And it probably, for a few of them, sent a very ominous chill down their spine. A royal priesthood. Because under the Old Testament, under the law of Moses, there were two very powerful classes in the nation of Israel. There was the royal class, obviously, the ruling class, and there was the priestly class or the tribe, and the two were not supposed to be joined together. It was too much power 
It was too much authority to concentrate into one man, into one office. The ruling authority of a king and, and the spiritual authority that the priests had as mediators of the law of Moses, it was too much. There was a reason why they were separate. Amen. King Uzziah learned this the hard way. He was a good king. He was a good king for many years. And yet, despite all that he had done right, 40 years of brilliant administration, one day, one day only in a moment of pride, in a moment of failure, the Bible says that he went to the temple and he said, I don't see why I can't do this. All they're doing is just lighting the, the incense and putting it in the censer and swinging it around. Anybody ought to be able to do that. Especially, this is, this is how pride works in your life. He wasn't peeking behind into the Holy of Holies. He wasn't kicking over furniture in the temple. He went there supposedly to worship. But pride was in his life, and pride had blinded him. So he did. He lit the incense. He put it into the censer. A king such as me ought to be able to do this. Again, you're not supposed to tell a king what to do. But the Bible says that the priest Azariah and others, four score, went with him. And they, they, they confronted Uzziah in the temple. And they said, it appertaineth not unto thee, Uzziah, to burn incense unto the Lord. But to the priests, the sons of Aaron that are consecrated to the Lord. Go out of the tabernacle. Of the sanctuary, for it shall not be for thine honor. They said, You're trespassing in the house of God. Amen. Again, that was a very tense moment. We don't know what Azariah was about to say, but the Bible says he was furious. He was angry as he was swinging that censer, and he was probably about to speak a rebuke, but God struck him with leprosy right there in the temple. Amen. And the message was very clear. Don't mix the priesthood with the royalty. But Peter said, you are a royal priesthood. Hallelujah. You are a royal priesthood. You have power and you have authority with God. Amen. What was a curse in the Old Testament is a privilege in the New Testament. We are kings and we are priests with God. Amen. God made you royalty when he adopted you as a child in his kingdom. He adopted you as sons and daughters. For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption. Whereby we cry, Abba, Father, the spirit. 
Spirit itself testifies that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if so be that we suffer him, that we may be also, that we may be glorified with him. You have a power, you've you've power, you've authority, you you have kingship. He's made you a king and a priest. According to Revelations 20 and 6, we will rule and reign with him one of these days. That's not way off in the Milky Way somewhere. I'm telling you, he's coming back to this earth. I'm telling you, he's coming again, and it's not going to be too long. And when he comes again, the Bible says we will rule and reign with him. You are a king. You are a priest with God. Revelations 1, verse 6, And hath made us kings and priests unto God, and his Father to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Nobody... Nobody in the Old Testament had that privilege. You understand what we have today? You understand how awesome it is just to do this? Praise God. Just to worship freely. Nobody had that privilege in the Old Testament. There was always a priest on hand. There was always someone to help you worship. It was always, you could not offer the sacrifice yourself. You couldn't burn the incense yourself. There was always a priest that said, stand right there and let me do the worshiping for you. Let me offer the sacrifice for you. Let me tell you, brothers and sisters, nobody is going to offer a sacrifice of praise for me. Nobody is going to worship for me. We have the authority. We have the privilege. We have the opportunity to worship him in the beauty of holiness. Lift up hands. Lift up holy hands in the sanctuary without wrath, without doubting, without another priest telling you how to do it. Amen. Amen. We don't have priests standing around telling us what to do, restricting, standing in the way. A mediator sounds like a good thing until you have to have a mediator to do the worshiping for you. But in this New Testament, we don't have mediators all around. Hebrews says we have one, a great high priest who is passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Therefore, let us hold fast to our profession, for we have not an high priest that cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities. I'm telling you, whatever you're feeling this morning, whatever your infirmity is this morning, there's only one high priest. There's only one high priest and he knows exactly what you're going through. He knows precisely what's on your mind. He knows the burden that's on your heart. We have not a high priest that cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Amen. Let us therefore come boldly. Let us come boldly. When you understand, when you understand who you are, I'm telling you, the church doesn't lack for power. The church does lack for understanding sometimes. 
We don't lack for authority. When you understand who you are, you will come boldly before the throne of grace to obtain mercy, to find grace to help in time of trouble because that is your right. That is your privilege. Amen. Hallelujah. The only man in the Old Testament that ever got close to what we have was King David. The only one who got close and was still pleasing to God, King David. It was when he brought the Ark of the Covenant back into Jerusalem. It blows my mind that it was gone for so long. But the Bible says that the Philistines captured it in battle years, years, decades ago. They tried to display it in the house of their god, Dagon. But God wasn't going to have that. He kept knocking the statue down. And the next morning, he chopped off the arms and then uh, made the statue bow right, right before him. And so they finally got the message, let's not put the two together. Praise God. And so they said, well, let's send it off to another city. Let's send it off to Gath. They sent it off to Gath and plagues broke out. And everywhere they tried to send it, more plagues until they finally got the message. And they sent it back to the border town of Beth Shemesh in Israel. And there it sat for decades. Again, it, it, it's, a, it's surprising to me that they just left it there. It's the Ark of the Covenant. But King Saul, he wasn't a worshiper. And when you're not a worshiper, you're not going to pursue the presence of God. So as far as King Saul was concerned, just let it stay there in Beth Shemesh. But when David took the throne, one of his priorities, he said, we have got to move the presence of God back to Jerusalem. Amen. We've got to get back into the presence of God. And so, oh, what a great day of rejoicing that was when they finally got the ark back into the city. For one day, David took his liberty. For one day, he acted like a fool. Praise God. He did not care what anybody thought about him. Clearly, he did not care. And the Bible says that David did something that no one had ever done before. He offered sacrifices every six paces. Let's sacrifice right here. They'd offer a sacrifice. Let's turn the corner, go up to the hill. This looks like a good place to sacrifice right here. Every six paces. Amen. You read commentaries. And they question the sacrifice. They the theologians will question even the accuracy of the scripture that talks about the sacrifice. They do. Because they, 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 they do the math. They get out their little map and they figure, where was Beth Shemesh? Where was Jerusalem? And they figure, okay, at six paces, how much sacrifice would he have had to offer? Hallelujah. And then they write in their little commentaries and they say, it's too much sacrifice. 
It's too much worship. It's too much praise. Praise God. It would have taken away too much time for David to offer that much. I want to remind you of something. When Solomon dedicated the temple, he sacrificed 22,000 cattle and 120,000 sheep. You don't just round up a sacrifice like that. It takes planning. It takes preparation to offer that kind of sacrifice. And I believe that Solomon got the idea, got the planning expertise from David. He planned out his sacrifice. Every six paces, he would stop. And have you ever wondered why? There's no scripture in the Old Testament that says every six paces when you move it. Nothing commanded him to offer that sacrifice. As far as we know, it was his idea. Why so much sacrifice? Why go through all that trouble? I believe with all of my heart that David was thinking, I can't Offer the sacrifices to the Lord once this ark gets to the tabernacle. Once things are restored at the tabernacle, once they get back into service, once the priests take over, I cannot offer sacrifices even though I am a king. When it comes to sacrifices before the Lord, I'm only a king. But we're not at the tabernacle right now, are we? We're kind of in a loophole right now. This is kind of a weird exception to the rule. And so while I'm right here on the road, while the Ark of the Covenant is right here, while I've got the opportunity, I'm going to worship the Lord. He was thinking, I'm never, I'm never going to get any closer to the Ark of the Covenant than right now. (laughs) Hallelujah. Hey, you can order service however you want to. You can, you can order it, but I'm telling you when the Holy Ghost moves. Praise God. When the Holy Ghost moves, throw that schedule out the window and let God have his way. While you have the opportunity, praise God. While the spirit, what was he doing wearing the ephod? That's not a kingly robe. That wasn't for him to wear. It was for the priests. That was only for the priests, the ephod. But again, David was thinking, we're not at the temple right now. Hallelujah. We're in this weird loophole exception. Hallelujah. And while I have the liberty to worship, I am going to take off these royal robes, put down this crown. I can't move around with those robes anyway. Give me an ephod. And he started to worship the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He did not care what anyone thought about him. He did not care what anyone said, including his wife. Praise God. Praise God. But God liked it. 
God not only liked it, God looked down and said, there is a man. I've given him royal robes, but he would rather wear the garment of praise than the royal robes. There is a man that I have exalted to the throne, but he would rather humble himself and worship before me like a fool. Hallelujah. Michael did not like it. The Bible says she looked through the window. You know what that tells me? While everyone was outside partying, she was still in the house. She didn't even come to the party. She looked out the window and despised David in her heart. And when he got home, you ever practice for an argument? I'll tell you what I'm going to tell him about that. It was so poetic. (laughs) She said, oh, how glorious was the king. Dancing before the Lord, making himself a fool before the young maidens, before the servants of the Lord. And David said, it wasn't for you. It was for the Lord. (laughs) Praise God. Praise God. And you know what? The Bible says she didn't have children. And from that point on, she didn't have any more children. You want to know why? Because a church that doesn't worship is not going to have babies. A church that doesn't know how to worship is not going to bear children. But if you will learn how to worship, if you will learn, I'm telling you what David got to do for one day. What David got to do one day, what he got to do as an exception to the rule we do every time we gather into the house of the Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. He borrowed one day from the other side of Calvary, but we live in the light of Calvary. We live in this glorious liberty, in this truth. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. I've kind of taken the long way around today to tell you this. We are the church of the living God. And just as David made himself conspicuous before the people of God, we should be conspicuous and noticeable. Just as he took on, just for a brief moment, that role of royalty and priesthood, we are, not by exception, but by rule, we are a royal priesthood and we must let our light shine you can't hide the church amen some people are going to love the light that is in you i don't understand why everybody doesn't love the light some people are going to see in you a light and they're going to love it but that jesus said that Some men love darkness. Men love darkness because their deeds are evil. And so some are going to hate you for it. Amen. Whether they love it, 
or whether they hate it. I wish everybody loved it. But let it shine. The only way you're going to sort the two out is if you just shine that light. Just be who you are. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I am bringing this to a close. Peter said, You're a chosen generation. You're a royal priesthood. You're a living stone. And he summed it all up by saying, you're a peculiar people. I'm not talking about <clears throat> being strange for the sake of being strange. I'm talking about understanding who you are in God. Just let your light shine. Look at this beautiful church. Look at how God has blessed Look at this beautiful church family. Would you believe that this is just the beginning of great revival in Cincinnati? Praise God. Isn't there a Spanish congregation meeting right now? Right now, I believe there's a thank God for the Spanish congregation meeting. But let me tell you something about Mason. There's an Indian community. <clears throat> There's, there's a harvest of souls that we really haven't even tapped into. There's other communities. This is what I'm learning as a missionary. We, we try to think strategically. We try to think in terms of people groups. If there's a small community or a small group from one particular nation in this community, if you can just reach one in that, in that community, in that people group, you can have a revival. You can have, a, it's like doing a mission right here in Cincinnati, Ohio. I'm telling you, if you'll just let the light shine. Amen. I realize when I preach like this, most of you are saying, it's just not me. It's just not my personality. It's just not who I am. I come against that in the name of Jesus. You can't hide who you are. You can't hide it if you try. People already know who you are. Why don't you give them the opportunity? Why don't you give them a chance to have this wonderful truth? I'm so glad to have my father-in-law with me today. When we think of soul winners, we think of people who are super charismatic. Those, those who are just so full of energy and People magnets and oh, they're, they, they can win souls, no problem. My father-in-law has won several souls, one of whom we witnessed to, or we, excuse me, we preached at when we were in Iowa. His name was Rex Deckard. Now, my father-in-law is not charismatic in any sense of the word. Praise God. He's not a people magnet. He's a very kind man and a very friendly man. There's a man named Rex Deckard who came to his church and he won him to the Lord just by sharing the truth with him. He won others. I don't have time to tell you about the families that he taught Bible studies to, that, that they had received the Holy Ghost, but they didn't know where to. He just let his light shine in his own way. And I'm telling you, you can do the same. And then this building won't be able to hold the revival that God will send to Tree of Life. Stand with me if you would. Amen. Amen. God help us. 
God, help us. God, give us great power. God, give us boldness. God, help us to be everything that we're supposed to be in the last days. Most importantly, let us be a light. If that's your prayer, why don't you come down to the altar and say, Lord, let it be so. Let it be so. Praise God. Praise God. Come down. Come down. If you're thinking about someone, if the Lord has laid someone on your heart, I ask you to come down with them in mind. Lord, help me to reach somebody. If there's a backslider in your family, come down to the altar and say, Lord, I'm standing in for this lost loved one. Praise God. Praise God. Lord, help me. Lord, help me. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, hallelujah.
today. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. There are those that are still praying today, and we want to respect that, but I, Brother, Sister Vestal, if you, if you could make your way down to the front today, Reagan and Levi, if you all would come down to the front today, we would love to have an opportunity to pray over this wonderful family. God is using them to step out into a broader mission field. God is using them to go to the country of Malaysia, plant churches. They're going to start a Bible college over there. God is going to bless their efforts. And I want them to know that Tree of Life Church stands behind them, beside them, supports them every single step of the way. Brother and Sister Enos, if you're close, why don't you come? I'm going to have Brother and Sister Enos to lay hands upon this wonderful family, and I'm going to call for the, the ministry of the church. If you're a minister here at Tree of Life Church, I invite you to come today. Amen. And help us to pray over this wonderful family. Praise God. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. There he is. Come on. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. You're all right, Brother Enos, right here. Praise God. Amen. 
I wonder if all of our ministers would gather around and I wonder if you would stretch your hand this way right now. And let's pray for this precious family, God, that you would go with them. God, that you, Lord, would anoint them, God, with an anointing that cannot easily be broken. Oh, God, I pray now, God, that you, God, would let your spirit rest upon them. God, we call upon heaven's angels. We call upon heaven's armies, God, to go before them. God, that they might, Lord, go forth and do your work. your hands one more time all across this place come on let's thank God for the word that we've heard here today come on let's thank God that we cannot be hidden we're not gonna hide it under a bushel no we're gonna let our light shine today in Jesus name in Jesus name those that are praying continue to pray if you need to be dismissed today God bless you thank you for being with us be with us on Wednesday night seven o'clock Amen. Let's have a victorious week in Jesus' name. Hallelujah.